How do you get better at winning games? My name's Jonathan, this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about games as they'd like to know. And this week, we're talking about the skills you are going to have to develop if what you want out of your games is to win more often. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. Back this week, Scott Moyle. Hello. And David Kingsmill. Good afternoon. So, fans of certain unnamed video game franchises like to chide others who seem to be having trouble getting past certain parts of the game by offering the extraordinarily useful advice, get good. Actually? Yes, that's yeah, an actual thing that happens. It's okay. G-I-T, G-I-T-G-U-D, get good. Okay. That's, that's, that's what you should be doing. You should get good. Um, we're actually going to try and be a little bit more helpful than that All in right. this case. Um, but before we get into that, I think the question needs to be asked, how do you know if you're trying to get better at games for the right reasons? Because tabletop games are not the same as Dark Souls. I mean, electronic games. Um, <laughs> I mean, can you do it for the wrong reasons? I mean, you're actually playing with human players in this case. Is it wrong to just like, I just want to be able to beat my brother at this game? Is that a bad reason to try to get good at games? Well, I think the first question you need to ask yourself is, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to get good at playing games and at being a good gamer or are you trying to get good at winning mm. um and they're both a good thing to strive for i mean i think being good at um at winning games implies that you've got an understanding implies that you've got a skill uh level or you can present games, a challenge to the other people at the table yeah in some games just a staggering there. amount of luck it kind of sure. depends on the nature of the thing yep. but is it are you getting good because you want to be better at something or are you getting good at it because you want to squash everybody around you which well, is you, actually, you want to feel better like you are better yeah than... if it's a superiority thing I feel like that's not a good thing then because people aren't going to want to play with somebody who isn't happy <laughs> unless they win everything they play I, I did have, in fact, I think the last time I played Puerto Rico with an actual human uh, was with one of our fellow game gurus at Snakes, Mikhail, who um, who sat down to play Puerto Rico with us and then said to the bartender, I've got their drinks. And I sort of went, you don't have to do that. And he went, yeah, I do. And then proceeded to destroy <laughs> us. <laughs> um, like, I've never, I've never had my ass handed to me that hard. It was Mikhail is <laughs> terrifying at games, but he's very sporting. Yeah, he was very he's kind about it. He just, he, I guess he has trouble getting people to play that game with him because he's so outrageously on it. Um, so he, he felt like we were doing him a favor that he needed to pay back. And, I mean, it was a privilege to see him destroy me. I'll say that. Maybe that's one of the ways you get good is by playing people who are really good. For sure. I mean, obviously, uh, if you want to improve at chess, then you're going to have to play people who are rated higher than you. Kind of reminds me of that uh, that Rainer Knizia quote. In a game, the goal is to win, but it is the goal that is important, not the winning. Mm-hmm. Which might sound like a bit of a Zen koan, but you know, it's, it's, it's the challenge that's presented by trying to win that makes it interesting, not just winning. Well, it comes back to that question, doesn't it, of do you always play your best? Mm. Uh, if there is somebody at the table who is clearly struggling, do you continue to play at your peak ability and probably end up flattening them? Or do you kind of tone it down a little bit and, and you know, make a couple of, I don't know if you call it deliberate mistakes or just uh, judge slightly lower than you would do normally and give them a chance to catch up? And I think that the mindset of somebody um, uh, who doesn't have that as a choice and just goes, no, I'm going to squash you. I think that's that's the point where you've crossed that line and you've gone to a point where... 
you know, you're not even recognizing ability levels around you. You're just going, I'm going to win this game, whatever. Well, there is a possibility that that person might not be terribly happy that you're going easy on them. I... Well, this is why it's a challenge, but I think sure. it's the, what I'm, I'm, I think what I'm doing is sort of trying to explain that sort of Zen colon a little bit by yeah. asking it as a question where if you understand that the question is a possibility, you haven't crossed the line yet. Mm-hmm. But if you, if there is no question, it's just, I'm going to win then possibly right. that's where you've got to the point where the goal isn't important anymore, it's the winning. I, I can certainly understand playing quickly mm. in that case, because you don't want to drag it out. You don't want yes. to make them suffer. Mm-hmm. But um, similarly, though, if there's somebody who's not really trying, uh, so if somebody's not playing their best, obviously not playing their best, and kind of not presenting an interesting challenge for the other players, that's equally a problem. Yeah. Because you know the, why if somebody doesn't care, if somebody's not invested, then that reduces other players' investment in it as well. You know, I had somebody specifically ask me to play Patchwork, and it, it was somebody who had played some Patchwork. Uh, they were familiar with it. I'm obviously very familiar with it. We yeah, teach it all the time. We put it in the game spotlight a while yeah, ago. Yeah, great little game. <laughs> and um, partway through the game, maybe a quarter of the way into the game, I realized that I was I was way ahead on coverage and buttons. The other person was passing very often and only buying certain pieces um, because. And I, I sort of went like, "Are are you trying? What are we What are we doing here?" <laughs> and the answer was, "I'm I'm making uh, a quilt that looks good with as few holes as possible, and and looks good meaning that they were only buying certain patterns that they thought right. They were the right colors exactly. And I thought like, well, I mean, I guess by by our own standards we've all won here but uh but i did trash this person at patchwork and i was a little no- annoyed that like that they weren't i don't know something i think they weren't playing with you something i think about it's a, a quote from one of the designers of warhammer which was sort of one of the things that got me into gaming as a teenager that games are a social contract to have fun with one or more other people through through some rules that are arbitrary but they're we've agreed to have fun within them um, in that instance, that person sort of broke that social contract that yeah. I assumed and they didn't. And mm-hmm. that's as much as, you know, on me as them for mismanaging expectations sure. there. But, uh, but yeah, that social contract of we're here to have fun by doing this thing, mm-hmm. um, didn't do the thing. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's assume that it's open season, that everybody at the table with you is okay with everybody there going all out, and you want to put up as good a fight as you possibly can. That will always be my preference. There Mm -hmm. we go. Absolutely. Um, How can you beat your brother who always seems to win all the games? Let's get some general principles here, general things. Supposing you want to beat somebody at a game, what do you you set out to do? I think it depends on the the game. Yes. Um, But practice makes perfect. Um, I've been playing a lot of the app version of Puerto Rico, and I'm really looking forward to playing Mikhail again. <laughs> Naturally, uh, the choice of which game to play is a big deal. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, if you're if you're going to try and defeat a particular person, it helps to know what games they're good at, yeah, and pick something that plays to your skills more than theirs. I think I also um, one thing I've done. I, I think I talked about this once before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played somebody who was a very good chess player, right. Um, like not, you know, not world-class or anything, but good for a, a casual player. Uh, and I won three times in a row, and I do not consider myself a good player. But I won by trying to shut down what they were doing. Oh. I wasn't actually trying. I don't know openings. I don't know smart moves to make. But if I saw they were going for my bishop over here, I'd kill the piece that was trying to do it. Mm. Um, and it, I think it made me unpredictable. 
Uh, and I think that's something is don't don't be predictable. Don't play the same way. If you've tried, you know, if you're playing Catan and you always set up next to the rock and the wood or something like that, and you have a pattern that you always hit, I mean, that's not a good one, really. But um, if there's a pattern that you always hit when you're starting a game, don't do it. Try something different because variety is what's going to get you more experience. It actually reminds me of the uh, of Sun Tzu's Art of War. That's in war, the most important thing is to attack your opponent's strategy. Yeah. After that, the next best thing to do is to disrupt their alliances, and we mm-hmm. can talk about games where that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, the next best thing to do is to attack cities. Yeah. But um, no, I think if you can if you can work out what your opponent's trying to do and stop it, it's it, it. Often, some people are good at games and win games a lot because they've perfected a strategy, mm-hmm. and if you can break it, they're lost. That's a really good general principle is that uh, some people they they get so wrapped up in getting good at games, they focus on what they're doing, and they forget that there's a, there are other players sitting around the table with them who are also doing things mm-hmm. and pursuing goals. So paying attention to what the other players are doing can be a big idea. Um, in a game where there's interaction and where there's more than one player, if there's a certain person who always wins, make sure everybody you're playing with knows that that person always wins. Yeah, mm-hmm. not Secret, every game accommodates that. But... Secret Alliance against Steve. Absolutely. Secret Alliance against say the Steve same thing. Yeah. buttons. Yeah. That is the, the rule of the Catanathon for anybody who doesn't know it, is we go into that thing knowing Steve's going to beat us all, so we will try and squash him instead. I believe he won zero games last Catanathon. I think we successfully Excellent. kept him well down. done. Yeah. The first game I played against him, I shut him into such a corner that he just turned against me for the rest of the night. <laughs> it was quite well, funny. <laughs> I deserved it. It was, you know, it was funny. yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry. Another general principle is that sometimes people will uh, will, will focus try to try to focus on everyone, trying to be better than everyone else. Mm. But if it's a game where certain players are doing better than other players, focus on the ones who are doing better than you. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't worry about beating down the ones who are doing worse than you. You're winning against them; they're not a problem. Uh, something like in Catan, for example, uh, so many people will be reluctant to make unfair trades for somebody else. But if somebody's got three points and you've got five points, maybe giving them two cards in exchange for the one you need to get your sixth point is a good idea. Mm-hmm. You don't need to beat them by more than one point. So no. All you need to do is be the first player to get to ten. Something uh, I, I that was pointed out to me recently with cash and guns that I hadn't thought about. Um, people will typically shoot the person they hate, the person whose birthday it is, their significant other, sure. whatever. Um, the correct thing to do <laughs> is shoot somebody... Between you and the uh, the Godfather on your right, shoot somebody who is taking a card that you want and try to scare them out. Try to be nice. sitting closer to the Godfather's immediate left when the the dust settles. So you get a bigger share and a better share of the loot. Yeah, and I th- I thought about that, and and then of course, of course, <laughs> but I've never seen anybody do that. That makes a lot of sense. I've never actually played Cash and Guns, but I've taught it a billion times. See, so that makes the, a great deal of sense. This is the kind of tech. That you wind up being able to apply once you really get into the nuts and bolts mm. of a game's rules. Getting to know a game's rules forwards and backwards yeah. is key if you want to get good at that particular game. And analyzing the game for little tricks like that mm-hmm. is a huge deal. Do you, I'm sorry to have to ask this, but did you figure that one out on your own or did somebody point it out to you? Uh, no, that was pointed out to me. I was, uh, I was on a forum where somebody was saying, how the heck do I teach cash and guns? Uh-huh. And I went in to say, here is how I teach cash and guns. Cause I, I teach it in a slightly off the rule book kind of way that I think it's all the rules are intact, but it's presented a little differently. Okay. Uh, that helps a lot. Um, 
And somebody else in the thread got into talking about like how much strategy advice should you give? For example, should you tell them the obvious thing of always shoot somebody between you? The gun? Yeah, went, that's oh, obvious. obvious. I yeah. naturally bring. That, <laughs> I don't bring that up because I don't think that game exists to be optimized. No. I think it exists to point toy foam guns at your friends. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing would be. Le- play games that are similar to the game you're trying to get good at. Mm. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to, especially if it's a big game, if I want to get good at Twilight Imperium three, I'm probably not going to do it by playing Twilight Imperium three a hundred thousand times because you don't get to do that. So pick something smaller that does pick Star Wars Rebellion or Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico because what you might do is you might find a tactic that you use in that game because your brain isn't thinking about it in the set terms that you consider. TI3 or whatever game it is that you're playing and then you can take that tactic, go back to the other game and go, right, I'm going to try that Now obviously with games that have been around longer like for centuries, there's a much larger body of uh, literature that you can consult about things like like Scrabble for example, you can buy a Scrabble dictionary and memorize all the stupid two letter words that nobody except Scrabble players ever uses, that's that's necessary if you want to be a really good Scrabble player you have to do that Uh, if you're a chess player you know, read up on openings and how those work. I mean, obviously David's trick of attacking the other player's strategy <laughs> is way more fun, but again, if you're going to become it's a not rank- effective for a high-level player. <laughs> it was effective enough to beat the person you were playing against well, who was yeah. ranked, so that was pretty cool. Um, you know, obvious things like uh, like poker. You know, you have to you, know, you have to learn, read the literature, learn how this stuff works. You have to do drill yourself on math. If you're going to play memory games, you have to drill yourself on that stuff as well. Uh, what are some other things that you can do with with well known games like obvious stuff? I mean, there, there's always the uh, the article, you know, the the articles you'll find online about sort of optimized play for a given game. Sure, uh, boardgamegeek.com mm-hmm. is really good for that. Look at mm-hmm. a particular game. Uh, we we keep mentioning Puerto Rico. That is a game that has scripted openings as well. It absolutely does. Yeah. Um, in fact, so Puerto Rico, which I I downloaded the uh, the app in the airport right before uh, a flight to Europe. And basically just played Puerto Rico for the seven or hours or whatever. Um, and a, a game on the app takes all of about 10 minutes and, uh, and you learn a lot really fast. Um, playing the app version of Pandemic, I mean, different because it's not competitive against other players. But you still get good at it though, for sure. You can. Uh, there were things that I only noticed because of the app. Um, the Pandemic, uh, app has a, an infinity scrolling map. You can scroll left forever because it just wraps around. Sure. Um, and, and the board game simulates that with just labeled lines that go up the edge of the board. Um, but, uh, because I was looking at it in a, in a way that you would just never look at the board short of cutting it in half and moving it, uh, around itself, I noticed a way to get from A to B in fewer actions that I promise you, you have never seen on the board. Hmm. Um, I forget what it was, but, uh, I think it's, it's getting from Sydney to Tokyo by way of, uh, San Francisco. Where you have to cross the the edge <laughs> right, of the board, it just goes up to LA, you go yeah. up to San Fran, and then cross back over again. But it would never occur to a normal human playing this <laughs> on the board because the, you just don't see it. So you I see like, one way across the across the split, but not two. But not that yeah. makes a great deal of sense, Neat. right? Ah. So if you need to get upward, if you need to get upward down the the Pacific Rim, go Asia, through California. Go by way of California. Yeah, yeah, because of course, totally illogical in life, spectacular <laughs> for a board. Well, and the game's having you do it in a ferry, so really, who, yeah. who knows? But uh, but I feel like the uh, the app versions of games are great for showing you little tricks 
Yeah. Um, the, the app version of Patchwork is really good at showing you sometimes you should pass, even if you can afford all the pieces in front of you. Let the other person buy a dumb piece because you know what's down the line. Right. Yeah. Right? And, and just, I'll often pass if I want the fourth piece in line. Exactly. Because they'll probably buy one and then I get, I, it stops them from buying the one I wanted. Yeah. So, and sometimes that's just watching how an AI behaves in a way that a human might not necessarily. Uh, but sometimes it's just the way an app physically presents a game, lays it out for you, might show you something that the the tabletop version of it might not make obvious. The Splendor app is really good for that as well. Uh, it actually has challenges, single player challenges. Yes. It where, does. as far as I'm aware, I've only played a couple of them, but I think all of them spit the cards out in exactly the same order. And you start with exactly the same resources, and you have to achieve a certain goal. And it's not easy. Within a certain number of turns. Yeah. No, but by the a certain time, number of seconds. Yeah, it's, also, it's yep. also timed. You, have to, it, you can do it really fast That's as well. not There's fair. There's a time attack version. No, it's, it's wild. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it makes you think differently. And by the time you've worked out how to do that, you've probably found a really efficient way of making something happen. Hmm. Um, and so that's a really... If you're trying to get good at Splendor, that's a great way of doing it. All right, that's it for this week. Good luck in your own game improvement quest. If you've got a topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Same if you've got a hint for helping others to get good at a game that you love to play. David, Scott, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. The SnakesCast is produced by P.G. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. Opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Thanks for listening. Go on.